Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. So we're talking about primarily the gospel of grace, especially the way um, Paul, who wrote the book of Galatians, is is telling it and the things he has to say, some concerns he has. And um, just kind of to give us a running start where we've been. So two weeks ago, we remember what we talked about two weeks ago? You're dead to me. Does anyone remember you're dead to me? Okay, so the idea there was that Paul made this rather astounding statement. It's really astounding if you, if, if you haven't heard it before. Many of us have been in the church and we've heard this over and over, and it's like, yeah, of course. But if you haven't heard it, it's like a revelation, and it certainly was a revelation when Paul got it, that when we put faith in Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come from the heavens, the eternal creator is the one who was the Messiah. That was a surprise. They expected a human. They didn't expect a human who was also God. That was kind of a new idea, but God surprised everyone and said, yeah, I'm going to come myself and I'm going to bear away everyone's sins. And once it happened, Paul, who was a a really great Hebrew biblical scholar, could look at the Old Testament prophets and go, oh, it was always there. Now I see it. He is the son of God. He's the son of man. He's the son of God. He's fully human, fully man. There's this revelation. But then he said, this is the revelation that was new and that we got from you're dead to me or you're dead to me came from this. When we put our faith in Jesus, a lot of stuff happens. Salvation, being made right with God, entering into relationship, God coming from nothing but trusting in Jesus the Son of God, the Son of Man, who takes upon himself the sins of the world on the cross. When we put our faith in him, he dies and is raised again, something remarkable happens. We're born spiritually, and we identify in a union with Jesus that is, is supernatural. It's almost mystical. His death becomes our death. His resurrection becomes our resurrection. And the way Paul put it was he said, I have been crucified with Christ. So I'm dead to sin. He also said, I'm dead to the law. Here's the part where he said, I'm dead to sin. I'm just kind of reviewing. This was written in the letter to the Romans uh, in response to this this issue of God's grace. And um, what does that mean for us since we don't have to do anything other than just receive it by faith? Uh, He said, should we Go on sinning so that grace can increase. This is Romans chapter 6. What should we say then? Should we go on sinning that grace should increase? By no means. We died to sin. And that's where I started saying, sin, you're dead to me. How could we live any longer in it? Don't you know? And he said, like, no, I didn't know, actually. I'm glad you're teaching me. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too 
may live a new life, a resurrection life. So that was like a revelation. We're dead to the law. We're dead to sin. Now, I'm going to read the part where he said we're dead to the law. When we get to Galatians, I'll kind of back up and do a running start from that. But anyway, there was this, um, for me, a very helpful way of living when sin and temptation and the law converged to try to take me down. You know, thou shalt not. Okay, and then sin comes, oh, well, let's get technical about it. Maybe you can do this, but not that. And then this whole, you know, the, the, all the craziness in our minds when we're tempted. And I learned I can go, Mr. Law, I'm dead to you. Sin, I'm dead to you. I will not give my body that has been killed and raised again with Jesus. I will not give my body over to sin. My mind, I'm giving over to righteousness. My legs, my hands, my eyes, my thinking, every part of me. I'm not going to give it over as a servant of sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm not going to let sin be my master. I'm not under sin and I'm not under the law. I'm dead to sin and I'm dead to the law. You're dead to me. And I don't think it's up yet, but... We'll hopefully have that on our, our podcast soon if you missed it or want to hear it again. But then last week, so that was two weeks ago, last week we, um, on Father's Day, told a story that most of us would know about grace, about the Father's love for us. And the story is often told from the point of view of the prodigal son and the son that goes away and comes back, but we really focused on the role of the father. And you'll remember the son took his inheritance and went and wasted it on all sorts of crazy living. He's now broke, hungry, in the worst place of his life. He's lost everything. He thinks, well, maybe if I can go to my dad's house, at least the slaves there, the servants, the hired hands, not slaves, but the hired hands, they, um, they have food. Maybe he'd hire me. I'll go back. And as he's on his way back, the father and it's a story of God's grace. It's the story of what God is really like. The father is watching for him and takes off running and falls on him and embraces him and kisses him. Before the son can give his speech of I'm not worthy to be your son, the father says, quick, servants, kill the fatted calf. I couldn't remember if it was a lamb or a calf. Thanks. This is a good church. I just have to start the sentence and you finish it. Kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. It's time for barbecue. Now, they didn't have Traegers then, so they couldn't do the smoke thing. But if they did, they would have. I know it would have been on a Traeger. But anyway, so they have this huge party, remember? And he said, bring him a robe and put a ring on his finger. And, and, and the son can't even get to the part where he's going to try to be a servant again. And um, we said that... We need to live in the Father's embrace. I wrote down what I said to you. You are loved by the Father. Learn to live in the grace of the Father's embrace. Remember that? And then we, but we had to see the, the story didn't quite end there because there was a brother who was very representative of those religious leaders, the legalists that Paul is talking about in our story in Galatians. The people that say, yeah, it's good to believe in Jesus, but that's not quite enough. You got to add some other stuff. Jesus plus whatever your best human effort is or our new religious rules or our old. Just let's add some stuff to it. Those kind of people who are like, this guy, he didn't do anything. You can't have a party for him. He's all, I'm not going into a party. And, and then he explains his attitude about his dad. He's like, you know, I've been a slave in your house. You never gave me nothing. And the dad's like, oh my gosh, you are my son. You have everything I have. Don't you know? And the, the idea was we not, we're not to live like 
just servants. We're to live like sons of God because when we put our faith in Jesus, everything is done for salvation, for being made right with God and being in full relationship. Not second class, not some kind of pecking order, but like number one son. The son who went away was like number one son. Robe, ring, new sandals, party. And we said that, you know, there was an issue there for us to see that we, or the older brother should have been like the father, embracing his brother, and we need to do that. So I said this, learn to live in the grace of the father's embrace. Then, having experienced his grace, give the father's embrace to others. Love unconditionally. Express grace as it flows through you. But you can only do that when you're living in the Father's embrace. Now, this morning, I experienced something that I wonder if some of you did, especially when at the end of our worship time, uh, you notice that if we were following a program, it was like the songs were done, it was time to move to the next thing. But, but Amy, our worship leader, was listening to the Holy Spirit, and she just paused, like, just wait here. She kind of make played some music a little bit, and she said, just be still, just wait. And then she sang Holy Spirit. Can I remember that? What I experienced as I was like just waiting was kind of a wash of love. Did anyone have that? Okay, so what we learn from, again, Paul's insights is that we receive the Father's love by the Holy Spirit. So you've heard the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all at work here. And that was my experience, and that was kind of nice because that's a lot of what I'm planning on talking about today. So we had an illustration, in my experience at least, in some of your experiences as well, of the outpouring of the Father's love by the Holy Spirit. By the way, for those of you that wonder, I'm quoting to you roughly Romans chapter 5, which says that the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he's given to us. So as we get into Galatians chapter 3 today, we're, I'm going to I'm going to read a section, but I'm going to emphasize something that's jumped out at me that I feel like we're supposed to emphasize. It's, it's actually something he almost says in passing, but he mentions the Holy Spirit three different times. And I'll try to explain to you why what I'm noticing that I think we should um, lean into as we study this. Okay, so you ready? That's kind of get the getting it going. Lord, we're going to open your word. We ask that you speak to us. We've learned that we live this life by faith in Jesus. Right now we come by faith in Jesus that you are alive and here and want to speak to us you want to encourage us. You want to train us. You want us to grow as your disciples. So do that now as we read your word, I pray. Do that now as we read your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Galatians, for those of you maybe that haven't with us or maybe just need a reminder, is a letter that Paul writes to a, a group of churches in an area called Galatia, and he's writing unlike any other letter we have of his in the Bible. He's passionate, he's angry, 
he his his even those that read Greek say his Greek language is sometimes written the way you would write if you were really irritated and you kind of lost the smoothness. And he's writing this way because he has planted churches and shown them that the way to God is now through faith in Jesus plus nothing. But some people have come and told these Galatian churches, ah, that Paul guy, he's pretty good, but he's not exactly right. Yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to obey the laws of Moses. And you Gentile, non-Jewish people that have joined, you know, the people of God, you're not quite there. I mean, you're not really Jewish, and that's the way you need to be. And so you need to, sorry, guys, you need to get circumcised if you're not circumcised, because that's what we Jews do, because that's what Abraham did and all his offspring did. And that's the sign of the covenant of Abraham. And you got to eat the kosher foods. Stop it with the ham sandwiches already. And all this kind of, uh, and other things too, all the laws of Moses. And Paul's writing them going, you people, are you crazy? You've deserted the gospel, the good news, the good news is that you are saved by faith in Jesus plus nothing. You don't have to be on the treadmill of human effort anymore because if you get back on that treadmill of trying to follow all these rules in order to gain favor with God, you'll be like that brother in the story who didn't know that his dad loved him. Didn't know he had everything that God had from just because God loves and God gives, and that's what grace is, not earned. If you try to earn your salvation or try to earn an ongoing relationship with God, you'll lose everything. And that's what he writes in the first chapters. And if he's told his own story, he's told them how he did go to Jerusalem after he was given this revelation. The apostles there confirmed, yes, that's the true gospel. He's saying, it's not, real, it's not true. These, these other guys are telling you, I don't have the full gospel. Even the apostles themselves have confirmed me. He showed them that it came from Jesus. It's the truth. Salvation and ongoing relationship is not the way everything in this world works. It's not you get what's coming to you. You don't get what's coming to you. You get grace because God loves you. You just get off this. I got to earn my way. Get off this. If something goes wrong, it must be because I wasn't good enough. And if something goes right, it must be because you're so good. Get rid of that thinking. It's all grace. So, so I'm going to read, I'm going to sit too. You're all sitting and I just got jealous. Don't you love this cool stool I have? It was a gift. I, the person may want to stay anonymous, but someone in the church said, Ron, you got to have a better pulpit than that black music stand. Let's get you something space agey and cool. So she got this and, said, and now you need a stool that matches. So. Galatians, I'm backing up to chapter 2, verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Paul writing, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The, the life that I'm living in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, there's the gospel in a sense, isn't it? He loved me and gave himself for me. I don't set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be attained by the law or gained through the law, then Christ Jesus died for nothing. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Remember the show Bewitched? 
Who's be, it's like a witch has come and cast a spell on you. What is going on with you? Who has bewitched you? Christ didn't die for nothing before your very eyes. Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. In other words, when I came, I made it so clear to you and you saw it as if you were there. I proclaimed the gospel. It was like I put a sign up and you saw it. Jesus has been crucified and has changed everything. He's raised from the dead. Before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. And now what he's going to do is he's going to appeal to their own common experience of their life of receiving from God without works, only by faith. And he'll throw in a little theology and then get back to their experience of the Holy Spirit. And look for the Holy Spirit. Watch for the Holy Spirit being mentioned here. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? Or by, leaving, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? And this is a series of rhetorical questions. In other words, a question where we all know what the answer is, but I say it for emphasis. Like when a mom would say, what is wrong with you? She's not really asking you, well, what happened was I was born and, you know, she, <laughs> right? Were you born in the barn? Right, you ever have that one? You left the door open again. It's that kind of thing. Did you receive the spirit by observing the law? Well, of course not. Or by believing what you heard? Well, we believed. Are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit? Are you going to train your, attain your goal now by human effort? And that, by the way, that's the New International Version translation to try to explain a word that might have been confusing. It actually says, the way Paul wrote it, are you trying to attain your goal by the flesh? And those of you that have read the Bible are experienced in hearing spirit versus flesh. In other words, anything that's just the natural man, our human effort, often connected with sin, but certainly our life before it's been transformed by the spirit of God in us. Are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit? Are you going to try to attain your goal by the flesh or human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, because if Jesus... If, if you can gain righteousness by doing good stuff, then Jesus died for nothing. Was it really for, and then you suffered all this stuff? Was it really for nothing? Does, listen to this sentence. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what is heard? And now he goes a little theology. Consider Abram, Abraham. He believed God. Remember, faith, believing, trust. And it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God, this Abraham, years and years, thousands of years ago, he just believed what God said, and God said, good enough, I'm going to give you righteousness that way. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Now, that didn't make us go, what? But it would have made Jewish readers go, what? Because they understood they were the chosen people of God, the special people of his name, because in particular, they were the direct offspring of Abraham, God's chosen man. God had chosen Abraham and said, I'm going to build a nation from you. Surely, my standing with God, they would have thought, is because of my ethnicity. We're better than everyone else because God chose us. And here, Paul says, those who believe are the children of Abraham. This is an entirely new concept at the time, that God is forming a people who are both the natural offspring of Abraham, the Jewish people, 
and everyone who has the same kind of faith as Abraham, including the Gentiles. Now it's Jews and Gentiles. And in fact, he'll later go on to say, those who are natural descendants of Abraham, but don't have the faith of Abraham, aren't even considered really the people of God. They, they're like a branch that's been broken off a tree and another branch has been grafted in. That's another whole story. But this is, a, this is an amazing concept for these people. You have a church that has Jewish people and Gentile people. And guess what? You're all the same before God because you've come in by faith. You're all the children of Abraham. And then he says this, the scripture was like prophetic. The, these words we read in Genesis spoke in advance because they foresaw something. The scripture foresaw that God would justify save, make righteous, make right with God, the Gentiles by faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham when he said these words. If I can find my place. <laughs> when he said these words, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law, you Galatians that are foolish and bewitched, they are under a curse, the curse of the endless treadmill of human effort that you can never attain and you never feel like God is pleased with you because you can never get good enough. Cursed is everyone, it's written, who does not continue to do everything in the book of the law. That's a direct quote from the Old Testament. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith or the just will live by faith. That's another quote from a prophet. I think, oh, I can't, is, that, is that Amos or Habakkuk? In any case, the just will live by faith, and I forgot the reference. Paul is quoting an Old Testament prophet when a Catholic priest in the 1500s named Martin Luther, who was trying to get right with God by following the best things he could do of penance and getting, you know, suffering and hurting and praying and praying and praying. And even he went to a place where he thought if he crawled on his knees up these steps to the cathedral, maybe that would make him right with God. He read these words, the just shall live by faith and had a revelation that changed human history. He's like, oh, it's faith in Jesus plus nothing. That was Martin Luther and the whole Protestant Reformation came out of that revelation. The just will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does, quote, these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. He redeemed us. Here comes a purpose statement. Why did God redeem you? What was one of his purposes? He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to also the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, you'll hear that phrase in Paul's writings, the promised Holy Spirit. Paul understood that the outpouring of the Spirit of God on people, Jews and Gentiles, was a fulfillment of prophecy. He was the promised Holy Spirit that in the end times, the last day, God would pour out his spirit in all flesh. And he understood the outpouring of the spirit is one of the many promises that have shown and proven and demonstrated the end has come in Jesus Christ. And we are a people who are living in the ends of the age. In fact, we are living 
in the presence of the future. We have, because of the Holy Spirit, the taste of the powers of the coming age here and now. Now, I, as I'm reading this, this last week, I'm remembering an event that happened to me. That has nothing to do with the story, but something triggered, and, and maybe you'll catch the, the, the connection. Hopefully you will. When I was 11 years old, that was a long time ago, um, I had two new acquaintances. One was a, a kid named Andrew who had just come off the mission field and joined our church with his parents. And um, my mom invited him and his mother to come over to our house in Arizona where everyone has a pool because it's stinking hot. It was like 120 when Steve was there, right? 118. Um, so you have swimming pools. It's the end of school year, beginning of summer. And so his mom and Andrew came over and, I, and we're, we're gonna have a play date at 11. But I had a new friend that year in school and whose name also was Ron. There was a lot of Ronnies. Um, and his last name was my middle name. So I thought, oh, that's amazing, wow. So I asked mom, can Ronnie come over too? So we had a pool day, right? You picturing this 11 year old, any 11, you play in the pool. And after the day ended, my mom, had to confront me as a mother should. And what happened was I pretty much ignored Andrew all day and gave all my time with my new friend, Ronnie. And so we played together in the deep end and we're diving for stuff. And Andrew was just kind of by himself. And mom said, you basically ignored Andrew all day. And of course that hit my 11 year old heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's awful. And I felt bad and I had to try to make it up to Andrew. Has anyone ever done anything like that? You felt bad? So I'm reading about Paul, this section I just read, and this memory comes to me and then this thought. Do Christians today often treat the Holy Spirit the way you treated Andrew? Sink in for just a second. I mean, we have him in our theology. We believe in the Trinity. We've read about the Holy Spirit, but do we, do we read what Paul just said in passing and not even notice? Does, did you receive the Spirit by the law or by, by faith? Does he give you his Spirit and work miracles among you? Hmm. Does he give you his Spirit and work miracles among you? No. You can say things, see, Paul, Paul, Paul didn't give them a teaching about God giving the Holy Spirit or God working miracles by the Holy Spirit among them, didn't give them a teaching because this was their common experience. So he could say, like, assumption, has anyone ever eaten at McDonald's? Has anyone ever had a McDonald's French fry? What do you think? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. So I could, if, if I were talking to you about something, I tried to come up with an illustration, I might say, when you go to McDonald's and you order French fries that are gonna be delicious, do you get them because you just order and have faith that the server's gonna make them and give them to you? Or do you have to go harvest potatoes and bring them in and cut them up and fry them up to get good fries? I could say that because everyone knows that you get really good fries at McDonald's. Paul could say, now, did the, do you receive the Holy Spirit and does he work miracles among you? Because that was their common experience the Holy Spirit worked miracles among them and they received him and they had a dynamic experience of his presence. This was common, as far as I can read, in all of the churches that Paul planted. And I had to ask, 
well, is that the state of much of the church, at least in where I live and in America? Do people expect the presence, the dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit? Do they expect him to work miracles among them? Do they think he's going to do all this stuff that he does regularly? And um, I'm not sure. And it made me think, oh, we're supposed to think about this. So this is kind of a sideline talk about what happens with the gospel of grace. But I'm going to focus for the next several minutes on the Holy Spirit and what he can be expected to be like in the experience of normal everyday Christians. Did you sense hunger in here this morning? At least a few of us did. Um, it, it came to me first. I was, you know, I wander around the room while we're worshiping. I was over there and this thought about hunger. I, all of a sudden, the verses of, of the psalmist in Psalm 63 it says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you and is in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I hunger for you. I want to behold you in the sanctuary. I want to see you. Oh God, I'm hungry for you, right? Uh, I, and I think what's supposed to happen today, if I'm, if you know, I'm asking God, what do you want to do in the church? What do you want to talk about? We're growing as disciples. What do you want to say? And I feel like He wants us to be expanded in our expectation and our hunger for a dynamic living relationship with the Holy Spirit, including all the many things that the Holy Spirit does, including working miracles. So. Um, here's some thoughts from Paul, just to dial this up in our mind. When Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, he is able to say this, my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I wasn't just a great orator. But when I came, the Holy Spirit was present in power. To the church at Thessalonica, he says this to them. We know, brothers, loved by God, that he's chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. That was his regular, everyday experience. I'm thinking, well, what might that look like? Well, I'm reminded, I, I told you this story, but I'll read it to you briefly. One of the churches in Galatia receiving this letter that we're reading was there when the church was started in a place called Iconium. And we can read the story in the history book called Acts. In Acts chapter 14, verse 8, um, Luke, who's the author, the historian, writes this in Lystra, which is the city in Galatia. There sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, but Paul looked directly at him, saw the faith that he had to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that mat, the man jumped up and began to walk. Whoa, that's how that church started. So Paul could say, Galatian in Iconium, did you receive the Holy Spirit and have God working by the Spirit miracles among you because you observe the law or because you just were believing. This man had faith to be healed, and that's all. He didn't earn it. He didn't do anything. He just had faith, and God worked miracles among them. And I just, I just think, oh, man, of different stories like 
last week, no, the week before, I was talking with the guy that is the contractor for the flooring that you notice the new flooring, but you've heard maybe that it's not quite done because people that have eyes to see, see some problems. And so he's going to be doing some many repairs. But anyway, he came in to see me and he said, oh, my leg is killing me from the work the day before. So I said, you know, I pray for stuff like that. May I? And I put my hand on his, let's see, it was his left leg right here. And now this is my hand and there's nothing up my sleeve and there's no miracle working power in this hand. Not a thing. There's nada. But I know someone has something. Holy Spirit, would you come? This guy's hurting and you love, and this guy knows Jesus. This guy's hurting. Would you come? And I just waited. And he said it was getting really hot. Like my legs burning up. Hmm. Well, sometimes when there's power, things get hot. That's interesting. And I said, well, feel my hand. My hand's completely not hot. So that's interesting. Well, maybe God's doing something. By the way, I'm, I'm giving you example from my life as instruction for how I'm hoping that you will do. All of you. You see someone hurting, you think maybe God will heal. What are we talking about? Building expectation for the kind of life with the Holy Spirit that doesn't forget that he's present. Because when I was sitting in that chair, guess who was with me? The Holy Spirit. And it would be good for me not to ignore him. He's with you. Do you have, have you put your faith in Jesus? Then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he's with you everywhere you go. And he might want you to acknowledge his presence. Let me say it different. He wants you to acknowledge his presence. So I said, well, well, that's good. My hand's not hot, but you have heat. Okay. But I want to know, is the pain gone? So he gets up and he starts walking around. He goes, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. It's all gone. The pain's all gone. Now, that did not come about because that week I said, I, am, I know what I need. Faith in Jesus plus fasting and prayer. So if I fast enough times, then I'll be able to pray and God will have to heal people. No, by the way, fasting is good. But not because it gives me right relationship with God. It's actually good for me to help me learn how to be more like Jesus. It doesn't do anything for my relationship with God because my relationship with God is intact because he's given it to me by his grace because I trust in Jesus plus nothing. I can't make God like me any more than he already likes me because he likes me infinitely. God really is into me. Did you know that? He loves me so much, and he loves you so much, and it's not about what you do. It's about what he does. God is love. Receive the Father's embrace. Okay, so that happened, and that was kind of cool. This week, I heard, um, no, it wasn't this week. I'm lying again. It was two weeks ago. I was at a gathering with some pastors, and we were just talking about what's going on in our churches, and this, I don't know if this guy wants to stay anonymous either. So he's a pastor in Vista. 
And he began talking about how he's been hearing, he thinks from God, kind of a vision in the sense, not like a vision like he saw Jesus driving a car with the windshield wipers like Darius saw, but it's a vision of what some dramatic changes they are to do with their church. Now, he pastors a church that is like 90 or 100 years old. And um, they have property in Vista. They're established. They're very conservative. They're not the kind of church that typically would have a lot of experience of miracles and God speaking. And yet he feels like God said, you're supposed to do this radical thing that involves completely selling all their properties and changing everything. And if you know old people in a church that have been there for like, he's got people in his church that were 10 years old and they're 90 now. Right. So he's, so he's got to convince them we're going to sell the church you grew up in because God talked to me. Right. So he's telling me this story and he's got his He's been praying, and it's like, oh, he's not telling me. He's telling us. So one of the old guys, I think is on the board. I'm not remembering that detail. I think he's on the board, comes to meet with him, and he's like sweating. I'm supposed to tell him this thing that I think I'm doing. And the guy goes, I know you want to talk to me, but before you do, I got to tell you something. And the guy's slightly shaken. He says, I've had a vision. It's an old guy who doesn't have visions because he's not, you know, that's not something they do in this very conservative church. And he describes to the pastor the pastor's plan for the church, for what they're supposed to do. And the old guy's like, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I think we're supposed to do this and this and this and this. And it's everything the pastor was going to tell him on the board that he thinks he's supposed to do. What is that? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you are following the law of Moses or because you have faith in Jesus? But does you feel an appetite stirring up? I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I, I walked past a whole page of notes I was going to read to you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Quickly. Here's what we read about this ongoing experience of the Holy Spirit. These are just some thoughts I just put in my Bible program. Find me passages in the writings of Paul about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us moment by moment. He helps us pray. We are told to live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. Followers of Jesus manifest the gifts of the Spirit. We overflow with hope by the Holy Spirit. We worship by the Spirit. We sing in the Spirit. God chose us to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Spirit. When our mind is controlled by the Holy Spirit, we live in life and peace. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Paul said, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading Gentiles to obey God by the power of signs and wonders accomplished through the power of the Spirit. He says that we can only understand the word of God by the Holy Spirit in us. We are God's temple where the Spirit lives. When we have godly character, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who's formed us into a body. The Holy Spirit is like a down payment or earnest money on the promise that what God has promised in the consummation of his kingdom and the new coming world where the heavens and earth are made new, that the Holy Spirit now is our down payment to guarantee that that's coming. Our sanctification is the work of the Spirit. We read the just will live by faith. And in my understanding, our life in this, our life of faith is life lived dependent 
and in the ongoing relationship and dynamic experience of the Holy Spirit. Now, I wanted to show you a, stay. I wanted to show you a big book. Oh, I was gonna tell you, I have a book recommendation. You saw it on the table back there. Um, I brought, I, I, there's a great book that's a short uh, commentary in a very narrative approach on the book of Galatians and it's out of print and I know the author and he sent me 30 copies and they're on the back table and we're suggesting a donation of $5 for the book if you'd like it for less, give less, if you'd like it for more, give more, whatever you want. I'd love for you to have that book, so get that book. But anyway, this is by a scholar who decided to do a thorough exegetical look on every mention of the Holy Spirit in all Paul's writings. And look how huge this book is. This is all Paul and the Holy Spirit. So after all his writing, he wrote another book that I left at home. I was going to show you that too and recommend Paul. No, the Spirit. What's it called? Paul, the people of God and the Spirit. That's what it's called by Gordon Fee. He said this after conclusion. In the final analysis, in every aspect of Paul's theology, at least what is basic to his thought, theology, in every aspect of theology, the Holy Spirit plays a leading role. Michael Aplikowski, are you still in the house? Would you run up here and grab that mic right there? I asked also for another story or two. Do you like stories? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to faith, right? And expectation. And I have more stories from my own life, but Michael is walking so slowly. Come up here and I'll turn the mic on for you. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. There you go. He's Italian. This, this, by the way, is Daria's brother, if you recognize the... That's right. So, so Michael um, leads people out to find hurting people, people that may be homeless, not necessarily homeless, but people that are uh, in not the greatest condition. Um, they might be living in tents. They, they're just around. They might not be living in tents. And he takes food as a way to build relationship and pray for people. And I said, you know, some of those stories you told me, tell us a couple stories about the Holy Spirit. So go. Uh, thank you. Um, anyhow, so how's it go? Um, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, um, uh, I pray for people often. Um, I pray for areas. Um, and, and I don't, uh, you know, like, I don't uh, grow legs. Legs don't grow sometimes. Um, feet don't grow. I don't know, you know. Um, some things do happen, though. Um, but those are like events. And, and some of the things I'd rather focus on in the stories I want to tell uh, are some of the relationships that occur. And um, we got one story that takes place here in Vista, Oceanside, actually. Um, there was a gentleman I knew in the night that... Um, that was the beginning of my end when, when I was on my way back to Jesus. He was there when I was handcuffed and taken away. And, and we had roamed the streets together for quite a bit and, and were rather close. And so in going out and doing this, I've come across him again. And, and he had a background with God. People from the church used to come and buy us lunch and, and things like that. And um, through him, got to know another gentleman. And... Um, Bonnie met them. Bonnie comes out with me sometimes, and, and we 
sat and, and ate with them and um, talked with them. And um, I do a thing, I send out a, a message each morning to people and I put them on the list and I send this message to them via text. And so the gentleman, his name is Frenchie, he, he started to, uh, to respond to the text one morning. He was trying to call me and I was unable to get to the phone in time and get back to him in time. So later in the day, we just, we're, we're at my house, Vanita, who goes with me, and, and Stephen, who, who goes with me as well. And uh, we weren't really sure which way we were going to go or where we were going to go. And so Vanita, you know, it was like, just let the Holy Spirit lead us. Let the Spirit Good lead job, us. Vanita. Right. And so we got in Stephen's uh, truck, and, and we took off. And um, we went down a block we, we, we've never been down before. Um, because we saw some people, and lo and behold, I don't think I have to tell you that this guy, Frenchie, was there. So he came over to me, and I said, hey, you were trying to get me today. And he said, yeah, I, w I was. He says, um, brother, I, I need you to pray for me. And I said, so what, what's going on? He said, well, you know the truck I have. He said, I got that truck, nice truck, and um, where Frenchie lives in. I said, um, yeah. He said, uh, I got it because it was my brother's and he died and he died in the truck and uh, he was in it for two or three days before we found him. And then he says, there's a smell. He says, I've had it for about a year. He says, there's a smell in it that comes back and keeps coming back and I can't get rid of it. Can you pray that away? So um, uh, I go and I sit in the truck and uh, I give it what Samuel Madsen called my best 30 seconds. <laughs> um, and uh, I come out of the truck, and um, guys, I don't, you know, I, I don't know how God talks to me. I just knew that I needed to go over and call him over and say, hey, brother, come here. I told me, you're forgiven. Forgive your son. And uh, he, he uh, was very taken. We talked for a few minutes and I let him be where he was um, and, and moved on. Um, uh, another story takes place with the Las Vegas. Oh, that one. Oh, sure. Yeah. That one's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I hadn't been on a big boy vacation in quite a while. And because um, I hadn't been a big boy in quite a while, <laughs> we're still working on that one. Um, anyhow, so. Uh, the week before I go to Arizona with my with my roommate, his father had died, and so so I was keeping him company while he was taking care of things, and um and I was looking for homeless people to to, you know, to minister to while we were out there. I wasn't doing that good, you know. <laughs> so um, we we come back and uh, um, my my niece was going to go cross country, uh, and she wanted to take me part of the way with her, and um. Um, so she said, I'm going to take you to Vegas, Las Vegas. We're going to spend a few days there, and then I'll let you fly back. We'll drive down there, and you can fly back. I'll fly you back. So I was like, you know, who's going to say no, right? Talk about grace. And um, so, so I go with her, and we stayed at the uh, Hollywood Hotel. And, it, man, it was like the room was like a lot of money and all this. And, and, again, I'm looking for people to minister to on the strip in Las Vegas. And so the last day that she's there, um, she left early because they were gonna, their trip was going to start and, and my plane was going to leave later. So I was just hanging out. We'd had breakfast together and I ordered an extra breakfast. 
and I was going to go out on the strip and, and find somebody to have breakfast with. Um, so I, I go about my journey, but man, some days, like, um, <laughs> I don't have everything it takes, you know, and, uh, and, and I was getting frustrated. I was offering people breakfast and they just weren't interested or whatever. I, I don't know what was going on. And um, finally, I sat and, and, I, and I prayed and I called the Holy Spirit and I, and I you know, asked for a little bit of help, you know, to, to, to uh, give me a hand here. Yeah, yeah, because, like, understand something. Some days I go out and people will ask me, I go to give them lunch and they'll say, well, what do you got? And I've once or twice said, I'll tell you what I don't have. I don't have a menu. Sometimes my heart's not exactly what it should be. Understand that, okay? I, this is not, I, I don't want to give you the impression that I live a saintly life at all, okay? Um, right, yeah. Let's make no mistake. I even got mad at my sister for coming up here and thinking she's going to take the stage from me this morning. If you've ever, if, if you've ever driven with her, trust me, you will see Jesus. Um, but anyhow... Um, back to the story, right, okay, and um, I, I, I need to, one of the things I need to do is I need some laughter, because that's my defense mechanism, because what, what, what occurred to me in Las Vegas, so I go, and, uh, and I, I go over to a guy, and, and I said, hey, would you like, are you hungry, do you want something to eat, and he says, why? What do you got? And I got breakfast. Well, yeah, I'm real hungry. So, yeah. I said, okay. He says, what's in it? So I said, well, why don't we sit down and we'll go through it. So we go sit down. There's a little wall there. And we're sitting in the, I mean, this is Vegas. We're on the strip. And um, we're sitting there about to have breakfast. So I open it up and look to go container. And I said, well, I got some bacon. Said, I don't eat bacon. He said, well, you know what I do? So now I'm eating the bacon. And I'm trying to hold on here, guys. Trust me, right? I said, um, I says, uh, eggs. Don't eat eggs. I said, well, I'm really not in the mood for eggs either. I said, um, do you eat potatoes? Yeah, I'll eat potatoes. So he starts picking up potatoes with his hand. I said, and um, he says to me, look, he says, hey, brother. He says, I got to tell you something. I said, why? I lied to you. What do you mean? I ain't hungry. No. Well, I just wanted to break bread with you. And I had some tortillas, and, and uh, I was holding the tortilla out to him when we said that. And he ripped it in half, you know, and toasted each other with the tortilla. And uh, right there, I, 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 the word communion took on a whole different meaning to me. Yeah, and a remembrance of him, you know? And I just want to end with this really quickly. Um, when we engage in this, when we go to do this, uh, you know, like, like I think I'm throwing seeds out here and things are happening. Along the way, what's happened is um, Scott's here, Renita's here, Stephen's here, Mark's here. All the people that have shared with this, even this young lady here. We did this together. Remember, we hung out on the corner together. Remember? <laughs> yeah. And um, I have relationships with these people today. When I came here a couple of years ago, I hung out with that guy right there, Snake. The only thing I had a relationship with was a snake. And uh, Takashi was trying to be my friend. And, and right or wrong, Snake, I used to tell Snake, dude, how do I tell this guy? I don't want nothing to do with him. Go away. 
And that, that's the kind of human being I was, you know, but, but, but as this, as the father, you know, as I, as I became a better son to the father, all this happened, you know? So we'll use this one. What were we talking about? Oh. That, that I felt like God wanted to stir up an expectancy and a hunger for the kind of life in the spirit that Paul could just assume everyone in his churches regularly lived in because we may in our culture far removed from these first century church plants have lost some of that but he's just as present and available to us in a very natural way that was kind of the point with michael by the way he didn't say this, but the, when he got in that truck, there was no smell in it. And, and he had this communication from God, the Holy Spirit, that this issue with this guy was not about some smell. It was about a sense of guilt that needed to be lifted off of him. So he was able to have the Holy Spirit work through him to bring relief to a guy who is really tormented emotionally. And that's how it works. It's very natural, but we do well to not ignore the Holy Spirit, but rather approach life knowing that we are an end times people empowered by the very Spirit of God to, in a very real sense, bring the powers of the coming age into our age now. The powers that bring hope, forgiveness, healing, peace, joy, when all circumstances would say there should be no joy. A sense of the life of the kingdom now, before the kingdom's consummated, by the power of this person called the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who's in the world, and who gives us gifts to give away. So that when we see a hurting people, we can, a hurting person physically, we do well to think, wait a second, I'm not alone today. The Holy Spirit's with me. We can pause and say, the life I live in my body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm quoting from what we just read. We can live by that kind of faith, expecting one of the results of that faith is God, the Holy Spirit, is with me. He might speak to me. He might give me gifts to give. He often does if we simply ask, 
living a life of faith. I would say, I think the life of faith is, in fact, the life in the Spirit. And I'm calling every one of you who names the name of Jesus. Step it up. To, as we said on Easter Sunday, take your place. To expect what we might call the supernatural, but it's so commonplace that we don't even call it that anymore. It's just what life is like when you know God. One of the, one of the parts we can play is to simply ask, you know, in one of Paul's letters, he told the church at Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit. Like he was telling them, there's something to do. He told his son in the faith, Timothy, Timothy, stir yourself up or fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit. There's an asking and a posture that longs for and expects God to be present. Doesn't work him up. It's not like we do something, follow some formula, pray a certain prayer, do a certain dance, wave a certain flag, you know, uh, fast a certain fast, sing a certain song, and then God has to do what he wants. You know, it's not that at all. It's that God is very present and we might be ignoring him. So we are, all the things that we do are about just helping our own posture be ready to receive what God already wants to give. Does that make sense? I don't know if I said that well. So why don't we stand up? Is that what we want to do? Yeah, I, I want to all just stand up and change posture. But I, I want to give us an opportunity to first ask for a, a refreshing our awareness and a refreshing of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, and also to practice. Is that so? I'll tell you how to do that. Are people leaving? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for coming. So we will. <laughs> the rest of us. <laughs> um, let's just uh, put ourselves before the Lord. Holy Spirit. We pray that prayer that people have been praying to you for hundreds or thousands of years. Come, Holy Spirit. We know you're here, but we're asking specifically come in a manifest way upon us. We know you're everywhere, so we're not like saying you're not here, but we're saying come, manifest yourself, give gifts. Raise our awareness of you. Fill us freshly again. Anoint us again. We know you're in us, but it seems like we leak. So fill us up again. Fill us up again. We hunger for you. So I said I wanted to give us an opportunity to practice. And here's how I want to do it. Anyone in the room today who has some felt need, physically, emotionally, relationship, why spiritually some felt need and financially so you have a need in your life i want to invite you to participate 
in a an experiment. I want to invite you just to go into the aisle so people can find you. And I want the rest of us who have just asked God to refill us in a fresh way to now go up to those people and practice the ministry of prayer. Does that make sense? You're someone who could use a touch from God. You get in the aisle. Everyone else, you're the ministry team. Make sense? And you, see, so I see um, there's one, there's two people in the aisle over here. Some people maybe are stepping in the aisle here. Um, the, those of you that want to try seeing God flow through you, you go find someone, go maybe in Paris, walk up to them and say hi. Don't be weird and like, you know, start praying in tongues or something. Just walk up and say hi and tell them your name if you don't know them and ask them, what would you like prayer for? And listen, because that's what you're going to pray about, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry I have to make this so, we just need training. Ask them what they need, and then do this. Ask them if you can put your hand on them, because God invites us, the Bible says to pray, to lay hands on people when we pray for them. Maybe put your hand on their shoulder. You're not in a hurry. And then ask the Holy Spirit to come and minister to them, and you wait a little bit. Don't get in a hurry. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and minister. He might do something before you ever come up with a prayer word. Got it? So you're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister, and you're going to wait just a little bit because you're listening. You're paying attention. You're not ignoring God, the Holy Spirit. You're asking him, do you have something you want me to pray? And if you have an inclination... Just assume that that's God speaking to you and pray that. Okay? That's the end of your instruction. The rest of us that are not participating, we might sing along with the worship band. We're just going to worship and bless the Lord. So be blessed. Practice the work of the Spirit right now so that you can do it as soon as you leave the building even more. God bless you. God fill you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you rest. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.